So let's pray. Lord, again, we thank you for your word. We ask you to help us to understand, Lord, all that you have for us in your word today, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to to see um, what you're teaching us and, Lord, to remember, Lord, not to give up on 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 those who um, who don't see you yet. In Jesus' name, amen. So we continue looking at the gospel passage in John where we look, left off last week with the resurrection and the appearance of Jesus to his disciples. And of course, we read one of the disciples, Thomas, was not there for some reason. And because he wasn't there, he missed out on encountering Jesus that day. Let's read again from verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the prints of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Very emphatic he was. Thomas wasn't going to be satisfied with the other disciples' account of seeing the resurrected Jesus, period. And it's sad, but that would have been true for for most all of them that day. Remember, the others hadn't believed when the women had told them that Jesus was alive. But they had now received the grace of Jesus revealing himself to them again that same day, but not Thomas. Why not Thomas? Well, Thomas was no different than the others. Was it simply that he wasn't there? We could speculate that maybe he was different in that being with the others was not his priority. But we don't know that. Perhaps he couldn't be with them that day. Perhaps someone close to him even convinced him not to go and gather with the others. We don't know the reason. But it took eight days more for Thomas to see Jesus. And can you imagine what that must have been like for him those eight days? Can you imagine his regret of not having been there with the others that day, especially if he could have been there? Can you imagine the grief uh, that he felt from not being there. What was it that kept him? We don't know. Was it just maybe even his grief over Jesus that he couldn't move? Maybe it was fear that kept him away. We don't know why. Can you imagine Thomas's doubt as to why Jesus didn't come and appear to him personally and individually in the way that he did Simon and the way that he did those walking to Emmaus? Or the way that he did Mary Magdalene. Why not him? Can you imagine him questioning? Was it it something that I did? Did I fail Jesus somehow in a worse way than, than the others? Did Jesus not care for him in the way that he did Mary Magdalene or Simon or those other two? You know, similar thoughts come into our own minds sometimes about our relationships with Jesus 
and even our relationships with others. And we speculate in, in ways that we shouldn't. And we begin to doubt the closeness of our Lord to us and the closeness of other friendships somehow. Well, it got worse for Thomas. Imagine, if you will, Thomas being with the others the week after, afterward and listening to the accounts of Jesus, listening to their talking with, with one another with such excitement about their encounters with Jesus and all that he had said while he was with them. And try to understand a bit more about Thomas. What was Thomas doing in his asking that question and, and saying, I will not believe? Was he calling his fellow disciples liars? No, he wasn't doing that. He knew them. They were his friends. He knew that they weren't liars. Did he believe them to be delusional? Perhaps, but all ten of them delusional? He couldn't have believed that either. It seems that Thomas said what he had said simply because he wanted to believe. But he could not without experiencing what the others had experienced. The resurrected Jesus in person. He wanted desperately to experience what they had experienced. But he was blinded. Blinded by the lies of his own negative conclusions, perhaps, about himself and about Jesus. Those thoughts, I'm worse than the others. Jesus doesn't love me as he does the others. Otherwise, it would be different. You know, some of us have different experiences of the risen Jesus even now. Some of us have seen visions of Jesus. Others not. Some of us have experienced Jesus setting us free from the bondage of self, self or from some devastating addiction. Others have not. Some have been set free from sin and guilt of the past. Others not. Some of us have been healed from physical illnesses or diseases. Others not. And some of us were fortunate enough to have witnessed more miracles in our lives than others have. And some miracles that happen have to do with one's own faith. Jesus said they do. But some of us are not sure if we've ever witnessed a supernatural miracle. Well, how does this all shape each one's faith? Does it have anything to do with faith at all? How do you get faith? Well, Romans 10 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that seems to imply that if someone has not been exposed to God's word, they won't have faith. All the more reason for us to get God's word out there. But that's not all there is to it. There is natural law and there's natural ph 
philosophy as well that, that opens someone's mind to search for God in the beginning. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 1, Since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. And Paul told the Athenians in Acts 17, What you worship as the unknown God, I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. He was saying God needs nothing. And God gives life and breath and and all things to men. And God does that for a reason. That man should seek after him in hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him, Paul said. And yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, Paul said. We are indeed his offspring. So yes, God's word is definitely essential for faith, but there are prior steps of regarding his creation, pondering him, and a heart that is in search of him. But what about those who've grown up in Christian homes, who've been constantly exposed to God's word? Do they all have faith? No, they do not. And why not? Maybe they missed that first step of pondering him in his creation. But there are other factors as well. There is the obedience factor. Because if you hear God's word, you allow it to penetrate into your heart by obeying it. And your faith grows in that. And God's word then produces fruit in your life. But on the other hand, disobeying God's word hardens your heart toward it. And it gets snatched away. We remember Jesus' parable of the sower. In fact, if you disobey God's word over and over, there is the danger that God himself will harden your heart as he did Pharaoh's heart. So we must be careful. And I suppose if you, if you lead a selfish, disobedient life, you will either avoid God's word altogether or read it critically as if you are its judge rather than it being yours. Where will faith, where will faith come from then? Are there other factors? Well, Romans 1, 19 to 21 says there are. It says that because what may be known of God is manifest in man, we are without excuse. Because although man knew God or some aspect of his attributes, they didn't glorify him, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. The fact is, 
God revealed himself and he continues to reveal himself. He reveals his unlimitedness, his unlimited transcendence and his unlimited mercy in nature. And that calls forth our acknowledgement of him, especially in thankfulness. He gives and he gives and he gives. And when we don't acknowledge God with thankfulness and awe, we become blind to further revelation. Whether non-personal and transcendent revelation or personal revelation in Jesus Christ, his son, through the Holy Spirit, we become blinded when we don't acknowledge him. And the bottom line is that it would be quite natural for, for anyone who didn't have any prejudices against themselves or against God, who wanted to find God to believe that a loving, transcendent God would condescend to his creation for self-revelation as he did in Jesus Christ. But of course, none of us are free of prejudice. We all are born with it, born with sin. We go on in verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, Reach your fingers here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Jesus was understanding of Thomas, very understanding. But he still did make Thomas wait those eight days before revealing himself to him. Why, we don't know. But it wasn't any of the reasons that Thomas might have been thinking it was. It may have simply been to grow his desire for his Lord. We don't know. Whatever the reason was, it was for Thomas's good. And we can be sure of that. Jesus appeared after eight days and he got personal with Thomas, very personal. He looked in his eyes. He spoke to him directly addressing the words that Thomas used, the doubts that Thomas had expressed when he had thought that Jesus wasn't present just because he didn't see him. Jesus was present. He was there. He proved it. And Jesus is always present with us. It has nothing to do with whether we see him or feel him or not. But we often insist on his personal revelation and the emotions that go with that. But he wants us to use our minds as well, to believe his word, that he is there. Believe that he is with you. He's God after all. Why are you limiting God in your mind? And what about acknowledging him 
in faith? What about our acknowledgement of faith? What about our expression of thanks, thankfulness for all his mercies? Your life and breath and sustenance, our families, the love that we have for one another in him. This expression of thankfulness and acknowledging God helps us grow our faith. It helps cultivate his word into our hearts. So praise him, praise him often. Verse 28, and Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. That's all, of course, Thomas needed. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Well, who are those? Who are those people who have not seen and yet believed? It's not Thomas. It wasn't the other disciples, save one perhaps. Uh, Well, those are the Abrahams who obeyed God's word in faith, even though they didn't see him. And they did what God said, even when it made no natural sense. Those are the Marys that I spoke about a few weeks ago who anointed Jesus' feet before his crucifixion, simply believing Jesus' words, though she, like the others, didn't understand. Those are the women who believed what the angels said to them. He is risen. And they went with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And those are those who saw the grave cloths and believed. Those are also us. It includes us today who believe. We are all blessed in a special way. Jesus said so. It doesn't mean we are loved more by him. It just means that we realize Jesus' love for us and Jesus is pleased with our faith in him and he will produce fruit through it. Verse 30, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So believing in Jesus brings forth life in his name. And of course, wading through the struggles of my daughter that I described, uh, I think it was last week, uh, her crisis of faith, and I believe all of us have either gone through that or are going through that. This passage, it brings us hope. And I know that for some eight days, turns into eight months or eight years, but the time will come when Jesus will appear to those who doubt but desire to believe so that they too can have a personal encounter with the living living Christ. Jesus cared for Thomas and he cares for all our loved ones in the same way as well. So persist in faith, in prayer, and in thanksgiving. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for your encouraging word to us through your gospel, Lord. And uh, Lord, as we 
Lord, live out this experience, Lord. We thank you that we can turn to your word for, for these ex- examples, Lord, and, and trust you in faith and take this as um, a word from you to us today. In Jesus' name, amen.